Got you thinking, didn't I? Thanks, team. Appreciate you guys. I want to just turn our attention this morning and, and um, look at Luke chapter 10. I want to turn our attention to this uh, gospel. Luke, take a little look at Luke. He was a doctor, if you didn't know, a uh, physician of, of some type. And uh, he, 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 he um, shares this, this uh, story that unfolded with Jesus and a family that Jesus got fairly close to, um, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Um, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke, uh, Luke wrote a couple books of the Bible. Who knows the other book that Luke wrote in the Bible? Acts, Great. Who didn't know that? Don't show your hand. That's right. So it just says, uh, this is a story that's a great little story. Um, Verse 38, it says, As Jesus uh, and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where uh, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, welcomed him in. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Uh, But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him, that is Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work of myself? Uh, Do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, it's one thing I've learned about Jesus. He's never going to shoot someone else's bullets. And then he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few, few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. Now, as we see this, Mary, um, Jesus didn't rebuke Martha for what she was doing uh, because the reality is, is there's nothing wrong with serving, is there? There's nothing wrong with hosting. Uh, it's just that uh, Mary was doing the better thing. And uh, Martha wanted uh, Jesus... Uh, to tell Mary to, uh, you know, get her act together. And, uh, you know, we've always got to be careful that uh, what we aren't willing to confront ourselves, don't expect someone else to do it for you. And uh, kind of Martha, that's what she was expecting Jesus. I'll get the highest. I'll get the Son of God. He'll certainly sort her out. And he doesn't do that. He actually encourages her, (laughs) Mary. So it wasn't what Martha was thinking. But anyway, this story is interesting for many reasons. And no more of the reason of the actual uh, activity that both of these sisters were involved in. Martha, of course, is involved in hosting Jesus, serving, getting the meal ready. Martha, uh, Mary is involved in sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, uh, embracing what Jesus was saying, conversing, maybe with other people there today. And it just reflects the incredible um, opportunity that Mary had that day to be intimate with Jesus. I've been called my, called my message, The Power of Intimacy today because uh, that's exactly what Mary did. She had this incredible opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. We don't have that opportunity to sit at the, the, the literal, physical Son of God, do we today? Okay. Thankfully, uh, God took care of it and sent the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So the, the exact likeness and the exact image and the exact heart and passion that Jesus had and that God has, he's, he's sent the Holy Spirit that can actually dwell within us. Isn't that amazing? So 
we see this, uh, this story unfold and we see the opportunity Mary has to be int- intimate in her conversation and, and with the people that are there listening to Jesus. Do you know, I, um, many, many years ago, I saw, uh, I, uh, I saw a movie that uh, uh, really impacted me for uh, one particular reason. It was a movie that uh, was partly true. It was, uh, it was uh, first of all, produced into a book by a French author named Henry Charmaine. Um, and he produced this book. He was born, this Henry was born in 1906. He then was imprisoned in 1933 uh, for murder, uh, but he was incarcerated in a, 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 a prison that, and he'd done hard labor. And he was incarcerated in a very small cell. And uh, he wrote, while he was in that cell, he wrote this book. It was called Papillon. Anybody over 50 remember that? Papillon? No, thanks, Dan, one person. It's an interesting movie. Thank you, all of us. But it was played by a guy that maybe some of us may remember as a great actor, Steve McQueen. You know Steve McQueen? No, okay, none of you do, right? Of course you do. And uh, I remember being impacted because uh, as they depicted this uh, movie that depicted then the novel, which was written by this gentleman who was incarcerated in a prison for murder... It was a prison that was, um, he was isolated from all other prisoners. And, and, and this gentleman, Henry, this Frenchman, who was for 11 years incarcerated in this um, prison cell. He did, they did let him out, but, but um, it was only about three meters long by two meters wide. And I remember Steve McQueen in the movie playing this movie, playing this role, and he would exercise, he'd walk up and down, and he'd, and he'd uh, you know, he, he didn't have much light. And, and so when he went out into the exercise yard, his eyes it would be, have to adjust. And, and I remember this isolation and this incruciating punishment that he received for his crimes. And I always thought it was so hard, uh, even uh, for what this man received for his crimes, even though murder is a, a horrendous thing. But, you know, it's so confined. And, you know, they tell us that the, the, the worst thing about incarceration is the isolation. It's isolation. They say people literally, and, and it's amazing how this man came out of this whole experience and was still had his right mind. But they say people who are incarcerated or in you know, places where there's just no other interaction with humans, there's no intimacy with another human being, uh, can, go out of, can literally lose their mind. And go crazy and, and, and you know, and just start to interpret life so badly because of that lack of relationship with other people. And I thought, you know, they say that today, psychiatrists say the, the, the worst form of torture is isolation. Isolation. We'd think, oh, maybe physical torture wouldn't be so, you know, that'd be worse. No, it's not. Apparently it's isolation because who knows, you can, you can scar the body, but when you scar the soul, that truly destroys people. Isn't that right? And in isolation, I can remember this movie and this man trying to escape and, and uh, Steve McQueen eventually did escape and I'm not quite sure because I've forgotten how it ended, but you may have to watch the movie. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is a fairly um, graphic illustration of a of, of partly true story. But you know, I want to say today that one of the worst forms, of, I believe, of, um, uh, of torture for us even today is isolation isolation. No opportunity to be intimate. Now, we, of course, live in 
this 21st century, and we all live in some families of some type or live with other people to some degree. And so we probably don't experience that isolation that others have experienced maybe in other countries. But I want us to draw to ourselves to the attention that, you know, no wonder that the God said in Genesis, in the first couple of chapters of the first book of the Bible, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He said there's something God was saying right there and then in the opening chapters of the Bible. He said one of the most powerful things about humanity is that we can have a relationship with one another. And not to have that will destroy lives. But understandably, God was only reflecting. God was only doing something when he made Adam and Eve of what he was experiencing himself. God's greatest joy... One of his greatest joys was to have fellowship and intimacy with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit uh, in heaven. And then eventually God said, this is so good. This is so good. I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to uh, invest this, and I'm gonna, we're going to create a, another human being. Create a human being, not another one, actually one for the first time. And he created Adam out of the dirt, and, then, and, and, and he had fellowship with Adam. He walked and talked with him in the garden, and God said, this is brilliant. Because remember, God said, let us make man in our own image. He was talking about the whole three of them. Let us make man in our own image. And then God probably came to an understanding, and he knew beforehand ultimately that you know Adam needed someone like himself and so he said let's just really bless Adam and the joy that we have of our intimacy and our conversations and our walking and talking why don't we give Adam someone like himself so he could express that intimacy with someone else as well and enjoy what we enjoy and so they made Eve out of the rib of Adam and the interesting thing is is that they were just two lifeless bodies but God got down real close and he breathed into them. And when he breathed into them, they came forth with life. So that closeness of God was there in the garden with Adam and Eve. The closeness. They, literally, it says they walked and they talked together. And you know, ever since um, that day, God has been seeking to reinstate and reinstall and restore to us that intimacy that, we, that he wants with us. Every day of our life. Because unfortunately, Adam uh, and, uh, sinned. Or Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And of course, they walked away. Uh, and, and as soon as they well, disobeyed God, as soon as they disobeyed God, they became self-aware and less God-aware. And that's what sin does. It takes us away from God. It takes us, and you know, isn't it interesting? The very thing that God wants us to enjoy is intimate relationship with him is the very thing that sin takes and destroys. It destroys. So we see in Scripture that, um, that Adam and Eve, as they sinned and disobeyed God, they became self-aware and they realized they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and we understand how that unfolded. But not only did they become self-aware, self-awareness ultimately led um, to being um, uh, self-serving. Self-awareness always leads to self-serving. Actually, think about it this way. Think about it this way. Self-serving... If self-awareness, which is not all bad, but it leads to something bad, is self-serving. Self-serving leads to self-indulgence. 
Self-indulgence leads to self-obsession. Self-obsession leads to self-deception. And self-deception leads to self-destruction. Does that understand? That's a linear line. In other words, it's just a line that the enemy wants to take us down. And you know what it really does? Is the saddest thing about this point, this thing, is it takes us away from God awareness. It takes us away from the intimacy that we could have with God. It takes the very thing that God just hungers for, well, hungers, I don't know if that's the right word, but loves and appreciates and created us to have fellowship with us is the very thing that sin takes us away from. See, the other side of the coin, let, let me just put this to you God awareness leads us to self giving or humility. God, uh, self giving leads to self restraint or abstinence from sin. Self-restraint leads to self-denial, that is to surrender to him. Uh, Self-denial leads to self-reality or an understanding of truth, those revelation moments. Self-reality leads to God-awareness. It's a circle. God-awareness eventually leads back to more God-awareness and more God-awareness. Can we have too much of God? Never. Can we go from glory to glory? Yeah. Can we increase, can we, can we ever say, oh God, your love is just more than I can handle? I've never had to say that yet. He's got abundant life. How much is abundance? Just abundance is just abundance and abundance. You see, it's a circle of continual blessing and God awareness. It's a, it's a great joy. It's a circle. Um, self-deception and finally self-destruction is a linear line that takes us, it's called the narrow road that leads to destruction. Um, so, and, and the thing about this is God truly, God awareness will always draw you into intimacy with him. Always draw you into intimacy with him. And if we come back to our story, Mary and Martha uh, were, uh, you know, um, pretty normal siblings, and Martha's upset with Mary and the lack of helping Mary. And as I said, Jesus never rebuked Martha for what she did, but he does point out and he says, You know what? Mary is doing the better thing. She's doing the better thing. Because Martha's busy and Mary is engaging in intimate communication with Jesus. And ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, he's been seeking to restore that intimate communication and relationship with you and I. Do you know it's just not on a weekly basis? It's actually every day he wants to, every hour, he wants to actually spend time just in your life, in your face. And sometimes not in your face in the wrong way, but he just wants face-to-face communication. Who knows, you can't Facebook God and really have an intimate relationship with him. You've got to have face, and, and, and it's quite not literally face-to-face, but there's the Holy Spirit where it's literally His presence. You say, more and more of Him. So we just, God has been seeking to restore that. So Jesus says to Mary, um, you know, the interesting thing is, before we say that, it's interesting, when Jesus came to earth, they actually called Him Emmanuel. God with us. What was God's passion and desire? To actually have intimate relationship with you. He said, this won't do. I've got to send my son Jesus and tell them how much I love them. And so Jesus did. And finally, Jesus showed his love ultimately by putting, you know, nailing him, allowing himself to be nailed to a cross and says, you know, this is how much I love you. This is how big the fish is. We use our hands, but you know, this is what Jesus said. This is how much I love you. 
And uh, they nailed them in place to just so that uh, we would understand so that how much is love. So Jesus uh, says to Mary, you know, Mary, um, um, uh, you're doing the better thing. He said to Martha, I should say, Martha, you know, uh, uh, Mary's doing the better thing. And I asked the question, why would Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus be better? And I know, look, the answer is pretty plain, you might think. Well, you know, of course, Mary's distracted. She's just doing stuff. And we're not human doings. We're human beings, aren't we? We're human beings. We're to, you know, it's in him we live and move and have our being. And so we need to be in that place of Jesus. You know, that's the answer. But, you know, I want to say it's more than that. Why is, is, did Jesus point out that Mary's doing the better thing? Uh, I want to share with you this. It's because it's the same reason Paul could say in a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. This is what Paul said. He said, though I am sorrowful, I am rejoicing. Sorrowful yet rejoicing always, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. It's the same reason Paul could say that, and you may say, well, how is that connected? Let me under- help you understand. Paul had some sorrow in his life. Paul had you know, been murdering Christians. I'm sure he was sorrowful about that. Now he's changed around. God's touched his life, come into his life. And uh, now he himself faces persecution. I'm, I'm sure Paul faced some things. He faced whippings. He faced shipwreck. He got bitten by a snake. Uh, um, you know, he was stoned and they thought he was dead. I mean, Paul had some sorrow. Would you agree? But it's interesting because the very sorrow that Paul felt and experienced, he says, yeah, you know, yet I'm sorrowful, yet I could rejoice. It was, he, was having, it was the best, he was in the best place of his life as he served God. He was in the best place of his life. And, you know, and that's why Jesus, you know, let me go on. See, his relationship with God was intimate, and thus his inner world was secure, even though his, his outer world was chaotic. Is that true? Paul's outer world was chaotic. I wouldn't like to live Paul's life. Well, maybe I wouldn't have a choice if I had to do what Paul went through, but his outer world was chaotic, but his inner world was secure. His inner world was was uh, was safe place, and it was full of joy and full of peace. And why could it be so? Because he had an intimate relationship with his heavenly Father. And so while so you know, he actually said in Galatians two twenty, it's no longer that I that liveth, but that Christ actually lives within me. He said, it's not me anymore. I'm, I'm in the best place of my life. My life is chaotic. My outer world, my inner world is secure. And who knows, when your inner world is secure, your outer world can't, can't change that. But it's got to be found in Christ, in the relationship. And that's why Jesus said to Martha, and Mary has chosen the better thing. Because maybe uh, the reality is, is Mary sat there in intimate relationship with Jesus, communicating, talking, relating. Uh, she was, uh, there was something happening in her life. You know, when we are emotionally intimate, and let me use the word emotion, when we connect emotionally, because sometimes I think we don't connect with God emotionally, but we connect with God emotionally, or just connect with God, it's where he funnels down to us the power of, the, he funnels down to us the power we need or the provision we need, or the comfort we need, or the wisdom that you need, or the guidance that you need. Intimacy creates that power in our lives. 
He funnels that down into our life. And the more time that we spend in intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit, the more He funnels the things that we need on a daily basis to live. Have you got the picture why Jesus said to Mary, said to Martha, it's, it's a better thing that Mary does? Have you got the picture why Paul could say, though I am sorrowful, I rejoice. Even though there's some sorrows around me, I rejoice because in me is all complete. The inner world is doing well. And you know why the inner world was doing well? Because Christ lives within me. My relationship with him is going sweet. And as I have that sweet relationship, my inner world is good. My outer world is chaotic. But I, can, I still live because my God is good. Don't underestimate how important your inner world is, that place of your soul, that place of your emotions, that place of your, you know, everything that you face, the thought processes, the personality you have, the character develop, it's all in here. The inner world is so important. See, we live in an external world, don't we? We have the joys of this world and there's nothing wrong with the things, but we pretty much live in great pleasures in this world, don't we? Great pleasures in this nation, great outer, outer, and we've got to be careful that the outer world doesn't crowd our inner world so that we put the outer world first. All the things of this world. Jesus actually said, seek him, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things can be added. But you know, seek first the kingdom of God. David, uh, King David actually said this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name what was David saying? David was saying this in a world start to see you'll never be right unless you engage with this God he was saying in a world give praise or bless him give worship, bless him because when you do that something's downloaded all the provision I need something into my and mostly peace and joy because in his presence is fullness of joy it says so David knew, he says, come on, Saul, bless him. You can't afford. I want to say you can't afford not to, folks. Because the, if you want, don't allow the outer world to crowd your inner world, your soul, your joy, don't allow it to take it away, your peace. So, you know, the power of intimacy leads to the power of God. Do you want to know how to have the power of God happening in your life? Do you want to, do you want to know how to see healing as you pray, you want to see you be able to cast out devils and work in, the, in the, the presence of God and the gifts of the Spirit and how to stand against the temptations of life and to have the right thinking and cast down every vain imagination, every accusation the devil makes against you, every bad thought be able to destroy, have that power to actually come out. You know where that power comes from? It, 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 it doesn't come from a book that you can read. It comes from a God that you can live with. It comes from an intimate relationship with Him. That's where it comes from. It comes from intimacy with our God. Intimacy with our God. You know, sometimes we've got to be careful. We don't think praise and worship is the goal. No, it's the funnel from which we would um, continue to focus and, uh, but, uh, on Him. You know, sometimes we think, well, as long as I do the singing, you know, and maybe as long as I just get that bit of Bible reading in, you know, or maybe I just, just got to get a little bit of prayer in, and nothing's wrong with all of those. My goodness, there are the mediums. They're the, 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 the funnel for us to be able to, you know, connect with and intimacy with our God. But please understand, there is a greater purpose than just that. The greater purpose is, as Adam and Eve 
They walked in the garden, folks. They walked and talked with God. They didn't have a song sheet or a band in front of them to have relationship with God. And I, please don't get me wrong, I just, this is so vitally important. And your worship and your praise is vitally important. Your prayer time is vitally important. Your Bible reading is vitally important. But I want you to understand, ultimately, the goal is not just that. The goal is past that. It's got to be walking and talking with our God. So if your Bible reading doesn't take you to that place, hey, you've got to have to say, I need to just change this up a bit. If my praise is just hollow, you're going to have to say, well, I really need to focus on him as I praise him and worship him. If your prayer is just a hollow prayer, quickly muttered before you go to work on a Monday morning, folks, you need to, you need to see if it doesn't bring you into intimacy, what good is it? So you've got to say, God, I just... I want to do these things because I want every opportunity to just bring me into emotional engagement with you every day because then, you'll down, then I'll know I have this inner strength to cope with the outer world, the inner world cope with the outer. Everything we need is found in the place where Mary was. Everything we need is found in that place we need. I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about emotional stuff. Everything is found in him. It's in him we live and move and have our being. So let me just give you three quick things as I close today about Mary and Martha. The first thing is this. Martha was present without being personal. She was present without being personal. Look at it. Um, Mary was in the house, but it was, it was, her sister was the personal one getting personal with Jesus. And some, we, we can have our times with God sometimes as I've just, you know, sometimes we can, um, on our way to work, in the car, uh, last thing at night as we drift off to sleep, uh, we can have times with God or maybe we just sometimes say, God, I just gotta, I'm seeking to fit you in in the busyness of life. Well, I just want to say, if it's not engaging emotionally with God, you've got to up the ante a little bit. Now, there's nothing wrong with the car devotions or praising him, and I do that. I use the car, speak in tongues all loudly and worship. I wind the windows up. You don't want everybody to think you're, you're off the planet. But, you know, I use those times, and they're good. But, you know, folks, I, I, I want to make sure there's an intimate and, and emotional engagement with God and not just a hollow-sounding drum or bell that I am to God. I want to, be, I want to create intimacy with him and me. And so we've got to be... You know, sometimes we can be uh, present in maybe the atmosphere, but are we getting personal with our Heavenly Father? Is it the intimacy that's unfolding? Because we see in the scripture in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says to Martha and Mary, Mary, you're doing many things, but there's just one thing that's really important right now. It's not that the many things weren't important. It's just that the one thing was important right now. The one thing was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, Mary was doing praise God for the people who serve. We, at all times we've got to serve. Please understand that. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But, there's, but Jesus says the one thing. Like, make sure we do the one thing. See, David said in Psalm 27 verse 4, This one thing I desire of the Lord... And of all the things I've got to do, David said, of all the things, I've got to lead Israel and Judah, I've got to be the king, I've got to you know, judge on this and do all the decisions I've got to make. He says, there's one thing I desire of the Lord, that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And, and that, whole, that whole thought is a metaphor for us in having relationship and intimacy with our God. 
This one thing, I've got to just make sure I get this, into me, this engagement, emotional engagement with my God, right? David said this one thing. You know, if I sit down to dinner at a restaurant or a little cafe that I try to do regularly with me and Michelle, sometimes through the week we'll just peel off half an hour of the day and we'll just go um, and have lunch together. And if I'm sitting there on my phone or I'm staring off into the uh, people coming in and out of the cafe or looking out on the road, you know, my wife, whose love language is quality time, (laughs) don't I know that, Um, she'll say to me, she'll remind me, she'll say, hey, hey, are you present? Are you not only present, but he doesn't say this, but what she's meaning is... Hey, let's be a little bit personal here. And so I have to switch my attention. You know, she'll soon tell me, um, look at me in the eyeballs. I want your attention. And unless you look at me, I want to tell you something. You know what? Who knows that a guy can still look at a woman and still be in another world. (laughs) But don't tell her that. (laughs) We don't want any of the ladies to know that. But it's a reality. Um, so, uh, but you know, Michelle will say, "Hey," and so I, I have to give. I'm, you know, I, and in those times, I've realised I'm present but not personal. And I, and you know, and it's good. I, I can then, I, yeah, sorry, Michelle. So I look at the, I grab a hand just to let her know. You know, that's always nice, isn't it? Just grab a hand. Let's talk about it. And I don't, and don't ask her those, you know, those closed questions like how was your day oh she'll ask me that I said that's a closed question I'll say just good and I say how was your day she'll say good I said we're right I'll just go back to drifting off no it's got to be some open questions like how did it make you feel guys here's a note if you ever taken a girl out ask her that question she will fall in love with you if you ask that question how do you how do you, how does that make you feel it's an open-ended question there's an explanation there's a there's a thing that you you're trying to draw out conversation you're getting more intimate you're emotionally engaging come on so you know with god david used to ask god open-ended questions all the time he used to say god i don't like this what's happening it's written down in psalms and he would say, God, this is all my struggle and this. And he would talk to God and, and, you know, and then he'd say, but God, I know that you are the Lord and you are merciful and great. And I'll, you know, we need some more, you know, God is not just interested sometimes in just a quick, you know, hello, goodbye. He wants some intimacy. He doesn't want you just to be present. He wants you to be personal. Martha needed to get personal if she was going to. Here's the second thing. Martha hosted Jesus but didn't dwell with Jesus. It says in verse 38, see, you know, it says, this uh, came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. In, in the New King James, it says, uh, where, Jesus, where Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. Isn't it interesting? You can imagine, here's the front door. Jesus comes in through, oh, come in, Jesus. Martha's there. Come in, come in, sit down. See you later. I'm going to get things ready. Mary, Mary, get over here. No, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha hosted him. Martha hosted him, but she didn't, didn't dwell with him. And folks, sometimes I think we host God. We, we kind of say, oh, God's good, and we've all got all the right words, but have we allowed him to actually dwell in our lives? Have we actually allowed him to take a hold of our lives and we invited him and surrendered our hearts to him? Um, see, Martha was a brilliant host. Praise God for hosts. She had all the frills. She had the fairy lights up. 
She, had all the, she wiped up all the spills. She knew what to do. She was brilliant. She made the meal. She got it cleaned up. She was brilliant. But folks, in her brilliance, she forgot the, the better thing. You know, you, you, you think you know a person until they stay in your home with you. You really think you know a person until they stay in your home. And then you can get to know them. Now, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it can be really great. And you get to know them. And you never get to know people, really, unless you let them dwell where you dwell. You know, when you're engaged to that girl in your life or that guy in your life and you're engaged to them, there's a certain level of intimacy you can have through conversation. Isn't that brilliant? You can talk to each other. But I always remember with my wife, it came to the end of the night and we jumped in two cars and drove our separate ways and lived in different houses. And so the intimacy was limited. But you know, when you get married, now that's a different story. Now you can become, you don't have to drive away at night. You can actually live in the same house. In actual fact, they even allow you to live in the same bedroom. It's exciting. So it's intimacy. So it, the whole level of intimacy is up a hundredfold. But you know what? This is a side point, but don't lose, the, don't lose the ability to communicate. Just because you've got physical intimacy, you still need to have the Anyway, that's the part. This guy's take note. You're not taking notes. No, that's all right. At least one thing you could write down and walk away with today. So, you know, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we're not engaged. Don't be engaged to the Holy Spirit. Dwell with Him. Don't drive away at night and say, oh, well, I'm going to do my thing now. See you later. God is there always. Isn't it amazing? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent everywhere all the time. He can dwell. God's presence in you all the time. Brilliant. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadows of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret, he who dwells with God shall know his protection, his shadow, his covering, his, his, his provision for them. The shadow. You shall know it, he who dwells. Let's go on and finish. Martha, not only done these first two things, not only she was she, um, present but not personal, and not only was she a great host but not, didn't dwell, is the third thing, she served him and didn't sit with him. And um, I'll just say this, serving Jesus and sitting with Jesus are not diametrically opposed to each other, okay? They're not two terrible things that should never, no, they're wonderful qualities. They're both important of serving Jesus and sitting with Jesus. It's just that we get it the wrong way around, folks. We sometimes think, I'm just serve, 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 and then we get burnt out, burnt out, burnt out, when if we would just sit with Jesus, sit with Jesus, sit with Jesus, we'll find that we enjoy serving Jesus and we'll never get burnt out, Amen. So we've got to sit with him and then serve him. Sometimes we serve him and then try to, and then we say, well, I, don't, I just can't make it. I'm just tired. Just can't make it to church. I just can't do this. I just, I just can't do it anymore. I'm just too tired. Well, maybe you need to look at what's your reason for serving. Because if it's out of obligation, folks, that will be a painful experience ultimately. And I see it time and time, people just get, I've had enough. Why don't you just come and learn to sit with him and then find that serving is just a great joy? How do you stay in a church for 30 years? How do you do the work of God for 30 years in the Philippines? You sit in God's presence. I hope you do. I'm sure you do, Margaret. And <laughs> but you, know, you don't last unless you have times of just sit. You don't last. And some of you have been here 20 years. 
And that's probably evidence that you, you know, you've, you've learned something about relationship with God. Brilliant. Continue. Continue. Do not give up on those things that are so important. Hey? Amen. Let me read this last verse as the team come. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. I'll say it again. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Um, you know, sometimes we think the issues of life come from our outer world. But they're not issues. Your outer world, you know, that, that, uh, that's, that, they're called circumstances that happen to you. They're, they're on the outer world. They're not issues. Um, um, you know, those things that happen. You get a flat tire. Something happens. You know, um, whatever it may be, unknown sickness all of a sudden hits. I've had a couple of people ring me this week, just sickness, sickness, sickness. You know, just unknown things. They're circumstances. But, you know, the Word of God just says clearly, um, keep your heart. In other words, guard your heart with all diligence because you don't want the circumstances of life to become the issues of your heart. Because if you make the circumstances of your life that are really yucky and bad and not good, the issues of your life, there can come real pain in life. There just comes a struggle in life. I want to tell you what it, you know, we can be like Paul and say, yeah, there's sorrow, but you know, I'm always going to be rejoicing. Because the circumstances of my life, I've not made them the issues of my life. Sometimes we think issues are out there. No, the issues aren't there. The issues are the things that want to crowd your heart. And you've got to be careful because out of it spring the issue out of your heart. Michelle and I yesterday afternoon sat in our house and listened to a very loud yelling match between our neighbours two doors over. And the reason we listened to it is because they actually wanted to um, raise their voices loud enough for everybody to listen to it. And we're sitting in our house and, and, there's this, and there was the slamming of doors and there was the you know, verbal back and forth and the loudness and it was a domestic that was happening. Praise God, it only went for about five or ten minutes because, you know, you just don't want it to escalate into physical violence, but obviously it was just verbal. And you know what? I, as I thought about it, you know, I just, we, I prayed for them. I said, Lord, let there be peace down there, whatever they're facing. There's a couple that have allowed the circumstances of their life to invade the, the things of their heart, and, as they, and, and now they're taking it out on each other. And that's a painful place to be. You know, God says, come on. And, and, it's, and it, what happens is the circumstances become the issues in our heart. And we say, please understand, issues aren't out there. Issues in your heart. And you've got to deal with that. And you've got to let God, I think, through an invasion of His Holy Spirit, the intimacy of His presence... The revelation of his word, the abundance of, of his uh, you know, life that he wants to give us, the worship that we can give him that engages us emotionally, the praise that we can give him that engages us, the prayer that we can offer up to him engaging emotionally is the thing that will then take the things in our heart and bring peace and joy. And we've got to be aware of that ever so much. And you know when the circumstances of life and the struggles of life and the, whatever it may be, sickness or financial debt or come in, want to crowd your heart, it can't find the door, it can't fit in. You know why? It's because 
when you've had an intimacy with God, God's intimacy and all His blessings fill your heart and it can't get in. And it has to stay on the outside. And so though you may have some thoughts about what's happening and it's not nice, there is still joy and peace on the inside to cope with that on the outside. And that's the incredible beauty of intimacy and the power of intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Can we stand this morning as we close? God created you for a relationship with Him. Isolation is destructive. He asks you not just to be present, but personal. He asks you not just to host Him, but to dwell with Him. He asks you not just to serve Him, but to first of all sit with Him. That's what He would ask of you today. That's what He would ask you to think about and to contemplate and to ask about your life today. Is, is that my testimony today? Or is there some things I just need a little realignment on, a little adjustment on? You know, some of us may go away today and say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to pray three hours. No, 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 that's not what it's about. It's just about upping your relationship with Him so that at least you engage emotionally somehow and talk to Him honestly. And be real and not keep him at a distance. That's what he would just ask. God created you for relationship with him so that we can then not only love God, but love others so much better and even love ourselves. Some of us struggle with that this morning, just accepting who we are. I just want to pray for you today. Is that cool? I just want to pray for all of us today, just where you are today. And, and God's heart is for you. Oh, He longs for you. Oh, He longs for you. As the deer panted after the water, that would be His desire for you, to pant after Him. As He is the living water, He would ask you to drink of Him. As He is the bread of life, He would ask you to eat of Him. As He is your hope and your future, He would ask you to see, to include Him in that future. He would ask you these things today. Because He longs for you. He longs for you. He waits and stands at the door and knock. And you can only open that door. He won't force His way. But he, as you open, He will come in and He will sup with you, it says in Revelations. And the Lord would say that today to you. So Father, today, I thank You that You're not a God who stands aloof or off somewhere in the distance. But You're a God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your presence stands with us understands us. And it even says you understand every temptation and every struggle and every circumstance we face because Jesus himself was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. He knew what it was. And so you identify with us today. And Father, we come to you. We thank you that nothing is sacred between. We can share with everything with you. And I ask for your people and on behalf of your people, I pray, Father, that you would help us to be not just present but personal with you. Father, to let you dwell, uh, we would dwell with you. And that, Father, we would be a people that would sit with you and, Lord, know you and not just know about you. And we commit your people today, Father, because truly we would find incredible peace and a future and a hope and joy in that which we have in relationship with you. And we thank you today and we pray these things. And if you would agree, how about you give us an amen this morning? Amen. Amen. So let's go. Let's realize how vital his, uh, his love is for us. Amen. We're going to just sing this song and then we're going to close. Just a moment to just worship Him. Just one more time. Just for a moment.
Come on. Yes, Lord. I don't want to be.